2: Welcome to the RotoWire NBA podcast, sponsored by Draft, the only app offering daily fantasy snake drafts. It is Thursday, January 26th, better known as Marshawn Brooks' birthday. Happy birthday, Marshawn. He's currently averaging 36 points per game over in China. Just checked this morning. Uh, wow. So he's having himself quite the year. Uh, I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always on Thursdays by the great James Anderson. Um, we're going to talk about your second mock draft. Is that correct? That it's Mock Lottery 2.0. Mock Lottery 2.0 uh, that just dropped on the site yesterday. Um, so as usual, we'll, we'll go through and uh, talk about some of the prospects that we like, uh, some of the risers in this most recent mock. Um, but first, All-Star Reserves are Whoa, announced I'm getting, tonight. I'm
1: getting blind, yeah, you're i getting blindsided.
2: Yeah, you're getting blindsided. You weren't ready for this. All-Star Reserves are being announced tonight, I believe, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central as part of the TNT broadcast. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to give me your reserves or anything. DJ and I actually went through that on yesterday's podcast, so if you want to listen to that, find it on iTunes. Um, but are you expecting any surprises, I guess, when these are announced? That's that's how we'll frame this.
1: I mean, I, I won't be surprised, I don't think, by anything just because of the the process that's in place for reserves. Um, It should be a bunch of guys that are pretty deserving. Obviously, there are too many guys for not enough spots, so there's going to be some guy who has a really good case that's going to get left out. I'm kind of interested to see uh, how many Utah Jazz make it because I think you can make a case for Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward to make the uh, Western Conference squad, but I just don't think there are enough spots. To get both those guys on. And I wouldn't even be surprised if they were both left off entirely. So, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of interested to see what happens there just because of how good of a season those two guys are having and how good of a season the Jazz are having. I
2: think it helps guys like Hayward and Gobert that Chris Paul is not going to be healthy for the All Star game. He's a guy that would have been an absolute lock. Blake Griffin. I don't think he's gonna make it. I mean, he's, I think he's only played twenty seven games. He made it.
1: That would be a joke.
2: I, I no, I agree. I think he's right on the border though. Like, I, it wouldn't be egregious if he made it because he was. He's been really good. And like, if he didn't get hurt, he would have for sure made it. And I it's not it like would, he played five games.
1: I think it would be egregious if he okay. made it just because of how many good options there sure. are yeah. outside of him. Like, okay, to to put him on that means that means you're leaving a guy home mm-hmm. who has played almost the whole season okay.
2: at, at an all star level what about mike conley i think he's played six or seven more games than blake he didn't have the chunk absence like like blake did but he's you know he missed four games
1: here six games there he's not really an all-star to me i think okay. uh marcus is definitely an all-star so i yeah. i would assume he'll make it and that's enough representation for the grizzlies
2: yeah i'm with you i think memphis is a one all-star team
1: i'm even a little you, bit has you you, you uh what? really love to kind of decide how many all-stars teams should get right this is i'm in charge of this that's sort of your your thing like with the all-star game is there's certain teams that in your mind i mean if they get more than x number of all-stars it's it's a complete travesty let's say yeah i don't know just throwing like i don't know the 2014 (laughs) 15
2: hawks like they maybe should have got two they got four and that was too many uh does clay thompson make it
1: Oh, I guess yeah. I mean, the Warriors is another one. Uh, I think with the Thompson, jazz where you're—he absolutely, in my mind, should make it, and I'm not sure that he will. Uh, I think that, like, for, like for instance, like he absolutely should make it over a guy like Mike Conley. Uh, I think people would fight you on that, but I agree. Absolutely should make it over anybody on the Blazers, Dame Lillard included. Uh, absolutely should make it over. Anyone in San Antonio's front court other than Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion. Uh, I'm fine with Anthony uh, Anthony Davis' is starting, but I'm fine with uh, DeMarcus Cousins making it just because his numbers are insane. But he's the only guy other than Anthony Davis that I think should make it from a, a non-playoff team. What about Boogie? Cousins, that's what I said. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. So Cous- Cousins out. and Davis, to me, make it just on okay. their them being that awesome even though their teams kind of suck but uh nobody from denver should make it gasol from the grizzlies Mm -hmm. westbrook uh i mean do you think deandre should make it no okay i think he
2: i think in a lot of years he's having an all-star caliber season but i don't think he has a chance so are
1: we say we're saying no clippers
2: no but kind of by technicality yeah okay like everyone knows they should have two and
1: would have two under normal circumstances just, just harden from the rockets
2: yeah I mean who who would the second one be it's tough like they've had a lot of like you know Ryan Anderson's been good Eric Gordon's been good Beverly's been good but like none of those guys are playing like
1: all-stars so let's say the the four warriors Kawhi Harden one
2: not sorry I don't I don't think Thompson's getting
1: in I think I'm just gonna make the case that he he should like so I would put Lillard in over him I for the record I would not Uh, so this would this would be mine it's 12 right yeah 12 and eight so 12 four warriors uh Kawhi Harden Gobert Hayward Russ Gasol that's 10 Davis and then Davis and Cousins that's my twelve. Okay. so I guess right. the only one or is the only one we disagree on is Clay versus Lillard sure or would you take Clay over one of the jazz guys
2: Personally, yeah,
1: I think the Jazz are a one all-star team.
2: Okay. As, as I as I laid out extensively on
1: Wednesday's podcast, I, I think I think to me, Gobert has a good case for defensive player of the year right now, and so yep. I would be totally. I I think he needs to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to me, I I'm gonna reward like I think Clay is just a better player than Damian Lillard. Like I I don't really care about the fact that he's the fourth best player on his team right now because that's just – I mean, Damian Lillard would be the fourth best player on this team right now. So I think he's a better player. His team's first in the conference. Dame's team's 20 and 27. And then I think, you know, I think you could actually make a decent case if you want to factor in efficiency and defense that that Gordon Hayward and Damian Lillard are fairly similar players. They're both max caliber players. I don't necessarily think – uh. You know, I think if you if you asked, um, you know, a bunch of teams in the league which which player they'd rather have, I think there are some teams that would take Hayward there. And I think you got to look at the fact that one team's twenty nine and eighteen, and one team's mm-hmm. twenty and twenty seven. So I'm I'm fine leaving Dame at home. So is it okay that the Spurs are thirty six and nine
2: or, and are only going to have one All Star? That's the Spurs. No, I agree. I mean, they had two last year. And it's not like it's not really a knock on Aldridge. I think there's just so much talent in the West, and like honestly, I wouldn't be that surprised if the coaches picked Aldridge. I think there are more deserving players, you know, several more deserving players. But if if they look at the record and say this team's only two and a half games behind Golden State, they deserve two. It wouldn't be the end of the world. What I just do I don't think that.
1: Let me let me ask you this: What do you think the Spurs? They're thirty six and nine right now. What do you think their record would be if LaMarcus Aldridge hadn't played a single game this season?
2: I feel like this is a leading question. I don't know. Like, like they'd probably still have like thirty-three wins. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Be
1: like thirty, maybe thirty-two. 33 uh, wins. Yeah. <laughs> like I know they have so much depth up front. Like Bertrand and Deadman play like fifteen minutes a game. Deadman might be an all-star. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, Dejounte like, Murray. I they don't could know. Easily make that up. Uh,
2: How upset are you that Dejounte Murray is not playing in the Rising Stars game? Ooh. Do we need to address this off pod? So.
1: This is a, trying to remember who's all on the the usa team uh it's a pretty good roster there's no one really there's no one really egregious it's fine you know it it is what it is i I think he (laughs) i think he'll probably be
2: on it next year it is what it is that's very big of you to say (laughs) um okay so here we go in the u.s booker brogdon chris ingram kaminsky okafor russell jonathan simmons cat and turner so like simmons to me is like a little questionable this is also questionable
1: like they're not going to put two spurs on this team i mean i i don't think so but i don't know there's like eight nuggets on this well i would put Dejounte on over frank just for aesthetics like i don't need to see frank kaminsky play in an exhibition that's
2: the type of guy you want to see in these (laughs) in these games is a kaminsky uh but it's it's fine. It's whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure you'll be as eagerly anticipating the announcement tonight as me. You'll. I'll probably. <laughs> we'll talk probably to you be next texting week. during it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably not. Uh, I think I'll probably have to just like let you know later in the night what happened because you won't be watching or have any interest. Uh, but I will be glued to the television as soon as I get home. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the mock draft. We'll get to some more uh, current NBA news later in the podcast, but. Markel Fultz, number one. Uh, That's the Brooklyn pick, of course, would be going to Boston. Lazo Ball at two to Miami. Josh Jackson at three to Phoenix. Dennis Smith at four to Philly. That's the Lakers pick. If it falls outside the top three, it goes to Philly. And then Frank Tilakina to Dallas at five. Um, I guess we'll start with Fultz. Has anything changed about him as a prospect, you know, since you last mocked these guys?
1: Nope. Nope. I think... Uh, Boston and Miami going 1-2. I As long as those are the top two teams, I'm going to have it going Fultz ball pretty much from here on out just because uh, all the rumblings suggest that Pat Riley wants one of these two point guards over a guy like Josh Jackson. Uh, I don't really see Boston going... I mean, Boston could really use a guy like Josh Jackson, honestly. I mean, their defense is their their biggest problem right now, and Fultz isn't going to really help that. But getting a guy like Fultz allows them to not give Isaiah Thomas a max deal, which i got to assume they're smart enough to know is a bad idea. Well, see, we should talk about that because he's playing so well
2: lately offensively that I think it's kind of masking the defensive issues, and Boston has not been a very good defensive team this year, and that's something that I think – Everyone just assumed they would be good on D because they have a good coach and they have so much depth and they have you know these smart Bradley type of guys who are you know labeled as these these great defenders. But Boston's defense has not been that good, and they're going to have what's going to be a very uncomfortable decision to make with Thomas.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Fultz isn't a great defender either, uh, but like Fultz is big enough and athletic enough that him sort of going out there and not really trying on defense is still good enough for him to be, like, only in the bottom third of defenders. Whereas, like, right. if Isaiah Thomas isn't trying on defense, he's the worst defensive player in the league.
2: Yep. No, that's very true. I, th- I think the the floor as a defender for Fultz is pretty high, like you said. like he, I-, I think he just looks like he'd be a good defender. Like In a lot of ways that I think Westbrook, for a long time, like before these last couple seasons I'm- when people started
1: really picking him apart. I like, used to think... Like back, like in his first three or four seasons, I used to think Russell Westbrook was like a monster on defense. Well, because he looks like because you see the steals every
2: now and then, and you know he he, he, he's flying around. Like you don't realize, like okay, he's flying around because he's so out of position or he's leaving his man to go double, (laughs) like that type of stuff. Like I don't know that Fultz. I haven't watched enough of him to see and really analyze how he moves defensively, but he at least has the tools and the size where you're not. You're know, like Thomas can try as hard as he wants, but at the end of the day he's 5'9", and he's
1: an easy guy to move for bigger players. Like with Fultz you don't have that worry. So here's like a just sort of a comparison I kind of made with Fultz. Like the bar to clear if you're gonna be a score first point guard who's a below average defender, not necessarily in terms of defensive tools, but in terms of effort, is extremely high to clear. Like the only guys that can pull that off and, and be the best player on a playoff team that we've seen recently are curry Harden, and westbrook so if he's that caliber of offensive player then i think he should be the number one pick if he falls short of that though then he's kind of in that kyrie irving dame lillard class of guy where he's still a very very special offensive player but he's not good enough to be like oh well he's on the team they're probably going to make the playoffs almost regardless of who's surrounding him like you would say that about Steph Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook most years, unless it's just the worst collection of characters you could you could mm-hmm. assemble. You'd assume those three are going to be able to carry a team to the playoffs sort of by themselves. But we've seen Kyrie Irving. We've seen Dame Lillard this year, even with a solid cast around him. Uh, those guys aren't good enough offensively to make up for the fact that they are shoot-first point guards who don't play a ton of defense. So that's kind of the... Uh, dilemma with Fultz, if you believe he's good enough to be in that sort of curry Harden, westbrook tier, I know a lot of people make the James Harden comp with him, then I think you can take him number one. If not, if you think he's just Kyrie Irving or Dame Lillard, usually that's good enough to go number one, but to me, Mm -hmm. in that case, you have to go with a guy like Josh Jackson.
2: And it might be a while before we really know, you know. Like, I think for him right now, and maybe we'll look dumb in five years, but like right now, it seems like he has a floor of one of those Lillard, Kyrie types where yeah. it's like it's hard to imagine him being significantly worse than those guys. And like, I feel like if you get Kyrie or you get Dame at number one, like, you're pretty happy with that. Like, obviously, those are flawed players and they're not guys who can carry a team to a title.
1: But I think in this draft, in this draft, you want. You want a super you want like a right. legit like no doubt top 10. Okay, player.
2: so the fact that you have Fultz mock number 1 is he the guy out of this group maybe other than Jackson think, that, that has the
1: best chance at well, that. Well, he's the guy that I think most people think has the best chance yeah. at that. So okay. that's that's kind of I'm not I like I said like I still have my rankings at the bottom of this. I still have Jackson number 1, uh, but I I'm willing to admit that the consensus is not aligned with with my personal ranks.
2: Okay, so Alonzo Ball at two. Uh, where was he in the last mock? Uh,
1: can pull that up. he was up there. Yeah, I mean, um, he, the the fact that Pat Riley has been linked with uh, those guys to me sort of sealed the deal. There, it's it's an easy fit. I mean, there's nobody's in his way. Uh, I had him going four to the T wolves in the last one.
2: Okay, so fit wise, Miami. We're assuming in this case that they are going to move Goran Dragic, or is there a, you know could they keep both temporarily, you know Rubio Dunn situation?
1: I think they'd love to move Dragic. I think a lot of teams in the league would love to move their point guards right now, and I just don't think there's a market out there. Mm-hmm. So that's I think the Heat would have moved them already if they had the right deal in right. place. Yeah, I think I think you maybe do a draft day type of thing where you have ball sitting there you're on the clock and you have a deal lined up with this other team who was hoping to kind of get in the mix of one of these elite point guards realized oh crap like we're picking 10th or whatever and, and we're just not going to have a shot at any of these guys we still need a point guard for next year so we'll take Dragic, and right we'll give you 60 cents on the dollar like i sure. think that's kind of what it's going to come down to
2: yeah and if you're miami you're getting out of the Dragic deal you're getting younger as you kind of enter this rebuild and those two wouldn't be a good right like you need Dodgett
1: needs the ball i mean if you you end up taking lonzo ball you just need to take what you can get for him right exactly
2: and and i think miami's plan to reload in free agency as they've done so effectively for the last decade like with the new cba kicking in it's just gonna guys aren't gonna be available you know like miami as a destination still is attractive and pat riley and the stability that organization still are very attractive but are you going to leave eighty million dollars on the table if you're a superstar player just to go to Miami? Like, I feel like the situation that you're in would have to be so volatile, and you would, you know, have to hate the organization or the coach or whatever so much that it would just be crazy for any player to to leave. And I think, you know, what, what was in the previous CBA or the current CBA, it was basically, all right, you can stay, and we can offer you an extra year, or you can go for basically the same money. You just don't get the extra year. Now the difference in, in finances is so big that I just don't think it's quite as feasible for teams to poach free agents, especially like Miami has.
1: So I, I obviously am not super super uh, well versed in the new CBA, but wait, like, what? There there are guys that aren't going to meet those requirements for right. the that deal. That's right? also like, correct. I think so. I think like Paul George might not reach that right. qualification.
2: I, I think yeah. I think so too. I think everyone just assumes that oh, If you're a star player, you're automatically getting this mega max. You know, like there's only going to be, and I'm it's gotta without be, you looking, have to make
1: one of the top, you have to make one of the all NBA teams, right? Well, there's that. NBA? You have to
2: have a certain number of years of service. Like it's not like Carl Towns could be first team all NBA and then just like be eligible for that on a second deal. You know, like you have to have X number, and cl- clearly I'm not super well like, versed in the CBA either.
1: Westbrook is like just untouchable. Like he he's he meets all the qualifications service time all the all that type of stuff he he meets all that but the other guys are a little less well i think you have to be in the league a while like i'm pretty sure russ
2: doesn't meet it until this summer right and so there's like guys who have entered the league you know after russ and like granted that's been a while i mean that that's paul george that's cousins guys like that um like it's no guarantee that they're gonna make it so that is a good point Uh, i think that's overlooked a little bit like there's this assumption that if you're the best player on your team, you're automatically getting this. Like, no, it's not like one team gets a designated player. It's the player has to meet. Uh, it'll be certain cool benchmarks. to see, like, and
1: I kind of want the Lakers to keep their pick in this draft because I think it's more. It'll be more interesting for the Lakers to add mm-hmm. a piece than for the Sixers to add two pieces here. Uh, and and if the Lakers do add a piece, and the the Heat also add like a top three or four piece. It's going to be really, really interesting to kind of see over the next couple of years which of those two teams can land the like one or two top 25 guys that like become available because, you know, Miami and L.A., those are Mm -hmm. awesome markets and they're going to be just desperate to get. Any kind of uh, foundational player.
2: Has your stance on the Lakers changed? You know, I mean, we talked about them a couple weeks into the season when I think they started like 10 and 10, which looking back is like not all that good. But for the Lakers, it was like, hey, all right, this young core looks really good. Randall looks better. Russell looks great. Now they're the worst team in the West. They're 16 and 33. So what is that? 6 and 23 since that start. um Like all of a sudden, I remember we talked about like with Demarcus Cousins and we were like, oh, why would they break up this core for a guy like Cousins or, you know, they're going to try to do what the lakers always do and accelerate their timetable like all of a sudden now that young core looks like it's not as close as it looked like it was in november like should their stance as an organization change or do you think they should still kind of ride with this core that
1: they have i still i still don't think i would break up that core for cousins honestly like this type of thing is going to take a lot longer than people expect i mean like the the t-wolves for instance coming into the year how good did we think those three guys were going to be? Or how good did I specifically think <laughs> those three guys were going to be? And think how much further those guys are ahead of right. the Lakers guys. It's like are you love the T-Wolves like, core compared to the Lakers. Yeah, but like, so if we, if we assume like the T-Wolves are maybe one or two years away from getting into the playoffs as a young core, to me this Lakers core, you can double that. And it's not a slight necessarily on the players, it's just like, if it takes Carl Anthony Towns three or four years to become a two-way like franchise player, right. then it's going to take Brandon Ingram like yes, five exactly. years to, to get there at least. So I, I just think Ingram's the piece, too, where you can't make any kind of conclusions about what he's going to be based on what he's done this season. Like It's just not going to be that quickly. Like You're, you're going to have to wait the end of next year before you even sort of have an idea I, I just don't think it's i think it's way too early to make any kind of uh you know. i agree but
2: but would you say that ingram has been disappointing in any way like there is a lot of examples tracy mcgrady for example we were just just watching the the 2000 dunk contest in, in the office before we came in here You know, nobody knew Tracy McGrady was going to be 32 points per game. You know, when he came into the league in the late 90s, it took a while. It took the right situation. Like that's the path I could totally see Ingram following, but at the same time, there's a lot of guys who come in and look like stars right away, and obviously Ingram hasn't done that. So, like in some ways, that's concerning. But like I said, there are also examples of guys taking three, four, five years to really develop.
1: I think it's it's concerning, but only to a point. Like. I don't think you can just say, well, I guess we don't have a star. Right. Like, yeah, it, it. I thought he'd be better at this point than he has been. Mm-hmm. But I just, I think you can't, like, maybe it goes from, like, say, coming into the year, maybe I thought there was, I don't think I ever thought that Ingram was, like, a slam dunk best player on a good team type of guy. But I thought he was a decent bet to become, like, good enough to be a, a second best player on a good team. And you know maybe I was sixty seventy percent confident that he'd get there. Now maybe I'm more like forty percent confident, but that still could happen. You know, I mean it's it's just mm-hmm. it's too early to say that they are just totally screwed. Like they need this pick in this draft, though. right? I would be absolutely fascinated to find out if you could
2: shop Ingram to like every team in the league, like just just in like a straw poll. Like what would you be willing to give up for Brandon Ingram? Because I think it would vary pretty wildly from oh, team yeah. to team. I think there are teams that probably love Brandon Ingram and would be willing to give up way more than you'd think, and I think there's some teams that would say, you know, all right, maybe a future first and you know a, a B level asset. I, I mean, obviously, there's no way to really find that out, but I think it would be really, really interesting because his value is is I think you know sky high for certain teams and, and probably pretty mm-hmm. low for others. Um, getting back to the mock, you have Jackson at three. We've talked a ton about him. Kansas uh, got blown out really by by West Virginia earlier this week, but Josh Jackson was one of the lone bright spots for Kansas in that game. Had four threes, huge dunk, one of his probably five best dunks of the year. Which for anyone else would be like a, a you know season making dunk.
1: It was a top three dunk. It was
2: right? nice, yeah, it was nice. Um, but I mean, has anything changed with Jackson? I mean, I think we both love him. I, he could go as high as
1: one. I don't think he'll fall lower than three. The the, the only thing like. I want to say about Jackson and we can move on really quick is I get so furious when I'm like at home or, or listening to like a podcast or or watching sports center or something like that. And the analysts are just like, well, you know, if they get a high pick in that draft, they could get Markel Fultz or Alonzo ball. Like it always just stops there. It always is just like, well, they could get Fultz or ball. Like, who do you like for number one? Fultz or ball? Like, I just get so furious, like about that because the other of my day love for Jackson, and it's uh, it's not going to change anytime soon because people just don't don't care because he's a, yep. he's a basically a glorified role player on one of the best teams in the country mm-hmm. instead of leading a team, uh, even if that team has no yep. hopes of going to the NCAA tournament like the Washington Huskies. I I was watching
2: some game over the weekend, some one of the games that was on on Saturday, and I. I forget who the broadcaster was, and that's probably for the best, so I don't call them out by name. But they referred they were basically doing exactly like what you said, and they said Marquise Fultz or Alonzo Ball. Like you you're throwing these out there and you don't even know the guy's first name. But that that's really what it's come down to. And like you said, I think Josh Jackson in a normal draft is the guy and the guy that would be you know, you'd hear these like, "Oh, they're they're just going to tank for Jackson." They're like, if you can get Josh Jackson at three, that is such a steal, and I think that's exactly what it would be for Phoenix if this is what you know ends up transpiring. Uh, Dennis Smith, you have at four. This again would be the Sixers because it's the Lakers' pick, and if it falls outside of the top three, it would finally convey uh, to Philadelphia. I think Smith finally had his first kind of national coming out party uh, against Duke. Put up what thirty four, I think, on Monday. Uh, as NC State won at Duke. Well, we'll get to Duke in a little bit and what's going on with that program, but uh, I think Dennis Smith is basically doing what Markel Fultz is doing just on the East Coast. He's
1: been an absolute monster since ACC play began. Uh, Had some kind of games where he came and went like earlier in the season, Uh, but he's been flirting with triple doubles fairly regularly, Uh, dropped some 30-plus point games in there. Uh, his his effort level gets questioned, I think, more than uh, most of the guys sort of in the top here. To me, this is kind of—I don't love the fit because Smith's not, not a great shooter, doesn't really project to ever be more than like a 36-ish percent shooter. He's a John Wall type of shooter to me. Okay, yeah, he, I mean, that's even worse than that. But uh, I don't know. To me, it's, it's not a great fit, but I think Philly, in this scenario, they're picking four, they're picking six. The Mavericks are picking five. They know Dennis Smith's not getting past the Mavericks here and they know that if they take him at 4 they probably get the guy that they maybe really want at 6 because the Mavericks mm-hmm. might reach on a point guard, they might even like a guy like Taklina. like enough like they might think he is the best player available at 5. Uh but either way you're definitely if you're the the Sixers you're definitely getting either Jonathan Isaac or Jason Tatum at 6. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you pass on Smith here to take one of those guys, then you might be forced to like take both of them, and you don't really want to walk away right. from this with two more forwards on that team.
2: Yeah, I mean that would remind me of like basically what the T Wolves did. What draft was that? Where they ended up with like
1: the, Flynn,
2: Lawson, players. Rubio, or, and like, they, they passed ended
1: up... on the only one that was actually really. Cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I mean, this is a situation too where and again you know at this point in the year who knows how the how the lottery's going to turn out but like if it would end up being you know sixers four Mavs who desperately need and want a point guard at five sixers again behind them like this would be a great opportunity for a Philly to do you know those deals that you see almost every draft we're like all right we're, we're gonna draft this guy for you and you're gonna give us you know who our guy at five and then another pick later in the first or next year or in the second something like that so I think that's something to look for because it's so obvious what Dallas wants, and, and if they end up behind Philly or insulated in this point, or in this case, by Philly on either side, then then I think that's a great spot for the Sixers. Uh, so in this scenario, Tulekina just goes to Dallas because he's the last of the elite point guards. Um, pretty good fit, I guess. I mean, if you're Dallas, obviously you want Fultz, you probably want Ball, and you want
1: Smith and Tulekina in that order. That could all change, so though, by the time it's May and June. That's what we're kind of... That's what everyone sort of has on their big boards, but I don't think that's what every NBA team has on their big boards. Like, you'll hear people... Like, I've I've heard people talk about the great four point guards in this class, and it's Fox and not Tila Kina yeah, that, that, I, that gets thrown in there. And it's like, well, yeah, Fox is probably going to be a lottery pick. He's probably going to be a starting NBA point guard for quite a while, but he's not the fourth-best point guard in mm-hmm. this draft. And I think Tila Kina, if you just factor in size and athleticism, like Lonzo Ball is uh, an inch taller than him, uh, but Tilaquina much better athlete than Ball. So, like, if you're just factoring in athleticism and size, he's the best of all the point guards just in terms of measurables. Uh, uh, going uh, gonna to be uh, going to be his official combine measurements on all these guys, but Tilaquina, I think his three point shot is at worst sort of even with a guy like Dennis Smith right now might even be a bit better than him it's not in the Fultz ball category at all Uh, but he's also kind of ahead of guys like Fultz and Smith to me as a distributor so and, and as a guy that I I think is a willing defender so there are cases to be made like I don't expect him to go ahead of Fultz I'd be surprised if he went ahead of Ball, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he went ahead of Smith. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to sort of see where these teams actually have these guys on their personal boards. The RotoWire NBA
2: podcast is brought to you by Draft. We already know you love fantasy, so we know you'll love playing fantasy on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season long leagues. On Draft, it's draft day every day. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last for just one day and they only take minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free, or better yet, you can play for money. Get this, your chances of winning money on Draft are almost three times better than your chances of winning on FanDuel or DraftKings. If you're playing fantasy for money and not spending hours a day doing it, you absolutely need to be playing on Draft. Join me, download Draft now, just search Draft, D-R-A-F-T in the App Store. It'll come up first in the list. Be sure to enter our promo code, ROTOWIRE.com. When you download, you will get a 100% bonus up to $600 when you deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store and be sure to enter our promo code ROTOWIRE. That's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. Okay, so now we're outside of the top five. I'll let you kind of take a look at these next six or seven guys and just kind of cherry pick who you want to talk about.
1: I have Isaac going number six. Jonathan Isaac, a small forward from Florida State. We've talked about him plenty, but... I think he would be the Sixers' actually number one choice if they only had one. If, like, the fourth pick was their only pick, I actually think they would take Isaac just because he is uh, the best shooter of these guys available and can impact the game in a ton of different ways without having the ball. And that allows Ben Simmons to have the ball. Uh, You know, he. here, Here are his numbers over the last three games against. UNC, Notre Dame, and Louisville, three top 15 teams. He's averaging 18.7 points, 10.7 rebounds, 1.3 steals, and three blocks per game while shooting 63% from the field, 55.6% from downtown, and 94.4% from the line in less than 27 minutes a game. Like, that's insane. Like, if those were his numbers, if that's what he was doing throughout the entire season— like he would probably be the favorite to go number 1 overall and this is a guy like people have been talking about unicorns a lot to me he's the unicorn of this draft because he's a 6 foot 11 small forward with a 7 foot 1 wingspan 9 foot 1 standing reach shoots 38.5% from the line on or from beyond the arc on the year what's the highest you can see him going like what what how high would it have to be for you to say I'm gonna say there's a zero percent chance he goes that high.
2: He's not going one. Okay, so you're ruling. Um, out. I I don't think he goes two either. I think he's gonna come across to some teams as a little too raw. I, I think three is the highest he would go. Okay, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess I mean, he's one of those guys too that he's gonna test well. I think you're. What going if to- he's
1: on? What if like these past three games are just like he's obviously not gonna keep shooting. Sixty-three percent from the field, fifty-six percent from downtown. I don't know that, but like, what if it just comes down to like fifty-eight percent from the field, forty-five percent from downtown? What if he does that the rest of the way? Teams
2: are going to be watching. I mean, when you play six straight ranked teams, I I was watching their game the other night, and like no team has played six straight ranked teams since like sometime in the (laughs) nineties. I mean, they're they're on you know they're on TV and there are scouts at every one of these games. There's two other you know, borderline NBA caliber prospects on this team. Like, he's not just a no-name guy that's having a little bit of a breakout here. Like, I mean, I I think... I, I do wonder if, like, he, he doesn't have a game where he goes for, like, 30. If a team will say, we don't know if this is a guy who we can ask to be a future star. But, like, if you're Philly, you're basically drafting him to be, like, your do-it-all, who can maybe be, like, your third option sometimes, that's but he can I also be your so
1: fifth option and play just as hard. That's why I love him so much on Philly is, like... Having him as the third guy with Simmons and Embiid is just so perfect on so many levels, Uh, and I think the the reason why I could see him going, like to me, I'm not willing to rule out him going. I'm not willing to rule out him going number two. Honestly, like I I think he could go that high. Who would have? Who would have him at two? Like what team would pick him at two? I mean, the Sixers would it be Philly? I could see the they would take him over Josh Jackson. You think? Because that, that's what it would come down I, to, you know? I could see if he... Th- this is, like, assuming he continues to... Because, like, early in the year, like, this guy was, like, a no-doubt top-ten pick, and there were games where he was scoring, like, seven points, you know? Like, the past three games, against the best competition he's faced all year, he's actually putting up, like, true lottery pick numbers, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that's considered the most raw of the bunch. So, like, if you are comparing him and josh jackson like i'm always going to be a jackson guy because i think he will uh, eventually shoot you know 34 35 percent from beyond the arc in the nba and at that point i think he's a superstar uh the defense to me the the motor gives him a a big edge over a guy like isaac but i could see certain teams just looking at the three-point shooting of those two guys seeing like a 12 15 gap there and taking Isaac over Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I I'm not gonna say that the Suns, the Sixers, uh, you know, the Wolves even if they if they go on a skid here or the you know, I mean I, I could see those teams if they end up getting lucky, getting the number two pick, I could see those teams taking him over a guy like Lonzo Ball. Uh not obviously not, not likely to happen, but um, you know, that's Isaac's the to me there's that's the end of like the elite, like, franchise-altering players in this draft. The There are some other excellent, like, all-star caliber players in this draft. But mm-hmm. after Isaac, I mean, I go Tatum at 7, Jason Tatum at 7, Malik Monk at 8 to the Magic. Uh, Tatum was going to the t- Timberwolves at 7. Monk kind
2: of seems like a Magic guy. If he's not going
1: to the Kings, the Magic will be right he, there. I think it's it makes a lot of sense. You know, they can kind of get a... <laughs> When when's how long is that front office gonna be hanging around? It can't be much longer,
2: right? I mean, like the whole
1: <laughs> how many, how many Memphis, New Orleans, like to...
2: right? Yeah, they're uh, and they, they haven't done well.
1: Yeah, so like th- this kind of gives them a chance for the uh, mulligan on the Mario Hazonia pick. Uh, the De'Aaron Fox going to the Kings at number nine. This just seems so obvious to me. Like they want a point guard so bad and you know he's a kentucky guy so they're gonna be get all excited about pairing him with with demarcus for for no real reason
2: yeah right they'll be like well they like they in their minds like he played with demarcus and willie collie stein in college
1: like he's basically john wall like you know so remember john wall there you go um i didn't realize he fox like i knew like shooting wasn't a strength for him but i didn't realize till i went and, and looked it up when i was doing this like he shoot like 15 or 18% yeah, from beyond the arc. But it's weird because like his
2: jumper looks pretty good. He hit one the other night against Tennessee. Injury. He had a nice catch and shoot at the end of that game when they were down. I mean, granted it was like a desperation situation and he had to shoot, but yeah, he like you would expect if you watched him shoot a jump shot and you watched Lonzo Ball shoot a jump shot, you would be like, "Oh, Ball's the one shooting 15%."
1: Honestly, like if if we get to the end of the season and Fox is shooting like twenty percent from three and he's taking like two a game, so yeah. it's not a, a nothing sample size. If that's what he's shooting from three, to me that's enough to knock him out of the lottery altogether. Be, like if I'm a if I'm a team that knocks him out of my on my big board, this I is just, the Kings though, right? Yeah, the Kings would love him uh, regardless of that flaw. Uh, I have the Pelicans taking Lori Markin at ten. Uh, that's kind of an interesting fit just because the Ryan Anderson, Anthony Davis thing didn't go that great. And I just think that to me, Markinen is the eighth best player in this draft uh, ahead of Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. Uh, so I, I just don't see him falling past 10. I think the Blazers, I have the Blazers taking Harry Giles at 11, which is uh, sort of a fun one given the Blazers' history of taking big men with lower body physical concerns and getting burned there uh robert williams for texas a&m i have gone to the knicks i think that that's like he's a six nine guy super super long arms one of the five best athletes in this draft who's kind of a center and a power forwards body whereas mm-hmm. porzingis is a power forward or is a power forward and a center's body so i think that'd be a kind of a cool pairing
2: yeah yeah, I like Robert Williams a lot. I think he's basically what people wanted Thomas Bryant to be this year. And, like, <laughs> Thomas Bryant's been fine. He hasn't been bad. But I think Williams is is the guy that you're most often going to yeah. see in, in mock lotteries over him. Miles Bridges, still hanging around. Yeah. He's, like, the least Stan Van Gundy guy ever.
1: Well, I mean, okay, so who who do you – if you were doing this mock, who do you, th- do you who do you have the Pistons taking at 13? Uh man like does he want let, let me pull up my he, mental he mock TJ leaf here tj leaf and roll the dice on another stretch no four?
2: not after like leaf is just <laughs> leaf is just a better version of henry Allenson, right like they can't they can't have lure leaf and Allenson. like that's you're only allowed two white stretch fours for like a lot of that's, people don't know that's that that's
1: why i didn't have leaf <laughs> going there like i think leaf is better is going to be better than lure and Allinson. i agree and so i think like it actually isn't a terrible fit. No. But then you have to be like, Okay, yeah, these two guys are just right. only
2: good at the Lure's actually not a bad comp life. for Leaf and it's not just because they're both white and kinda look similar. <laughs> it's mostly but- I don't know. Detroit's one of those teams that isn't good, but you also look at the roster and you're like, okay, I kind of like, I like what they have at center. I like what they have at forward. Like, there's no glaring holes. It's not like you look at them and say, like, they need a point guard or they need a center. They just need help everywhere. Like, they need competent
1: bench players. Like Basically, I well, what I did is I looked at that roster to me and I look at small forward. Yeah. and Tatum or Monk would be great if either of them slipped there. Or if they got lucky and their pick was higher. Uh, But to me, like they the whole part of this plan with them was hitting on Stanley Johnson and they it looks like they whiffed on Stanley Johnson it does and, yes like to me that's kind of a big hole uh, after Marcus Morris there and i don't like bridges he's not in my personal top 14 i think he's just a tweener and all the negative connotations of that word but uh, this would give them a chance to kind of take another swing at that sort of 3 mm-hmm. three and D uh, wing who can guard 3s and 4s. Uh, Bridges is just like a bad Michael Beasley. <laughs> um,
2: was Beasley ever at that athletic? Beasley was pretty athletic. He was,
0: he was athletic. Um,
2: I mean, he, he was great rebounder uh suspiciously good rebounder at the college <laughs> level considering he's probably only like six eight yeah um all right well let's finish out with the new guy here the New guy,
1: who is this new guy not only not only is this new guy going number 14 to the milwaukee bucks but i just put him in my top 10 i have him number 10 10th best prospect in all the land creighton's justin Patton. so pause man, for applause or look let's <laughs> i mean look
2: you heard it here first folks Folks, um I did watch Justin Patton for one game this season, so in my expert opinion, um I think he I don't think this is outlandish, and I think as we get closer to the draft, you're gonna hear a lot more about Justin Patton. Um Creighton as a team probably won't get the attention that it should because they just lost their starting point guard and arguably their best player, and they probably you know, I mean this was a team that could have easily been, you know, a dark horse Elite Eight type of team, and now they're probably not that. Um but Patton I mean he's the real deal size wise a true seven footer he's only a freshman it's not like this is some you know 24 year old who you look at as having limited upside I mean he he's a four-star recruit he was the best player in the state of Nebraska could have gone to a lot of other bigger schools um, but it's looking like right now in terms of his, his individual prospects he made the right call going to Creighton um, do you see any comps with him I mean he's a defensive minded center but it's not like he's a total sieve on the offensive end either
1: no he's you know the the thing that really just stood out to me watching him is how well he moves given his size like he just in sort of the way that he uh it, it looks like a wing kind of moving around in a center's body at times he he's not as quick like if if you're just doing a full sprint like full court he he's not going to run as fast as as a wing but just in sort of close quarters, he's very agile, isn't like the exact opposite of a plotter can stretch the floor like I think he's he's shooting threes at a pretty solid clip this year. Uh, actually isn't blocking as many shots as I'd like uh, given his size and his uh, the level of competition they've been facing. but I, I still think he's uh, probably an above average shot blocker. Um, over
2: one and a half a game and in only
1: 25 minutes yeah uh i just think he's he's the perfect type of complimentary starting center that a lot of teams would love to have right now because he protects the rim he can stretch the floor. like he has to he'll keep you honest from deep he moves much better than a guy like frank kaminsky uh you know it's just it's a kind of like i think it's perfect for the Bucks because. Mm-hmm. That's the type of player they would like to have at center, not a guy like yes. John Henson. They'd like a guy that can get out and run with them. Uh, yeah, he move, he runs the court really well for a big man. They'd like a guy that can stretch the floor, and you know, if Jabari or Giannis are working down low, like he he can get back out on, onto one of the corners. Is like a poor man's Nerlens Noel a
2: good cop for him?
1: Yeah, that's not bad. It, I, he is, uh, you know, he is a true center like Nerlens is sort of seems like a small forward trapped in like a power forward's body, I don't know. With I the think. shooting ability
2: of a center. <laughs> right. Although he did he did nail like a dagger 8-footer last
1: night. He did to beat the Bucks. Yep. Can't take that from him. No. Um and this this does seem like a this would be kind of a John Hammond S pick kind of a off the board type of guy with uh super long, super tall uh can Guard multiple positions. The guys that I wanted to find a home for but couldn't were TJ Leaf just like in mock one. What are, they, what are they stuck at the pound now? <laughs> couldn't couldn't find a home <laughs> for TJ Leaf. Uh couldn't find a home for OG Ananobi.
2: Well, hold on, let's pause on Ananobi. We haven't talked about him since he's out for the year. Um obviously that doesn't help his draft stock. I we talked about this earlier in the week. Like you, you think he's still worth taking a shot on, like somewhere in the twenties?
1: Well so if you look at the board, like basically after after Monk and De'Aaron Fox come off the board at eight and nine, to me you can make a case like the next seven or eight best prospects are all big men. So if you're picking in that range and the the Kentucky guys are gone and you don't really want a big man, I mean there are a ton of teams that just have too many power forwards and centers they don't have enough minutes for, like. I could see – that's why I see Miles Bridges probably sneaking up here and and a guy like O.G. Ananobi, even though he is so raw offensively, just to have that defensive stopper on the wing and just kind of gamble that he will develop into a solid offensive player. Uh, A guy like uh, Rodian's Couric's from uh, overseas who's Ah, a a draft and stash type of guy, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you could take him and – like that that's kind of filling a need on the wing. Instead of taking a guy like like say you're sitting there and Ivan Rab's, maybe the best player on your board, but you don't think he's better than your current power forward. You just don't really see him really moving the needle that much. I could see teams taking a guy like OG Ananobi and mm-hmm. just hoping it works out.
2: Yeah, that would that would be a very bucks pick. You know he Ooh, he would and a what just in terms of like the going for upside when the other options are mm-hmm. solid but you know very limited upside as was kind of the case with, with uh, Don Maker in this pa- in this past draft uh, but we'll do more draft talk um, on most of these Thursday pods going forward um, let's get back to to a little bit of NBA before we wrap up so the Knicks as of this afternoon have reportedly now reached out to Cleveland the Clippers and Boston. About Carmelo Anthony deals, Cavaliers. All indications are that they've said no, which is the right thing because Kevin Love is better than Carmelo Anthony. A lot. The better. Clippers, the Clippers are interested, but they say they're not giving up CP Blake or DeAndre. Is there a trade for the Clippers that New York would accept? Because I think I think Melo would waive the no trade clause to go play with Chris Paul. It's probably one of the two or three places you would waive it for, but it's hard to build a deal without including one of those guys for. Carmelo freaking Anthony
1: yeah I don't I just don't see it like I've, I've never I mean when did this stuff start up again like a month ago like
2: yeah I mean it's really picked up the last couple of days when that report that yeah. they had contacted Cleveland came like, out to me
1: it's just it's still borderline zero percent chance because not only do you, does he have to waive the no trade and I don't think he would waive it to go to Cleveland I just don't think Lala would be down with that uh, I I agree. I think he would waive it to go to the Clippers just because it's L.A. But I also agree he wouldn't waive it if it meant they were losing uh, Blake or CP or DeAndre, and I don't think the Clippers would do it for one of those three. So that I think you can delete that one. I, th- I think, uh, like you said, the Cavs, the only one that they would do it for or the, the Knicks would do it for probably is Love, and the Cavs wouldn't do that. So you can right. Eliminate that one. Boston is interesting
2: because they actually have – non foundational pieces that would be attractive. Like the Clippers, you could build a deal and say like, all right, Reddick, Austin Rivers. No. And who is like who like if you're the Knicks, like that doesn't help you that much. That that's that's a non starter. Right. Even though I love Reddick, like the Knicks aren't doing the Celtics could offer like three better
1: assets than anything
2: the Clippers could offer. What are
1: the odds mellow waves is no trade to go to Boston? I
2: would I don't think I think it's getting to the point where New York has made it pretty clear, or at least Phil Jackson has made it pretty clear that they don't want him. And it's like,
1: if I'm honestly, if I'm him though, like, and my wife, if I care about like where my wife wants to live, uh, which he presumably does, like she doesn't want to live in Boston, obviously, Um, she could stay in New York. It's not that far. I'm sure she doesn't want to. It's like an hour train ride. Sure, she doesn't want to uh, be living in two separate places either. Um, To me, if I'm Carmelo Anthony. I want to I want to out part of part of me wants to outlast Phil. Like I yep. want to be like like screw you asshole like I I'm, I'm here like you are the one who like nobody likes like I'm not going to waive my no trade just to like give you the the perfect roster that that you're looking mm-hmm. for here like if I if I don't want to be in Boston uh
2: uh, when I said it was an hour train ride, it's actually like a four-hour train yeah. ride. So once again, I'm flaunting my you, geography you think, knowledge. Yeah,
1: you think Lala's taking big, the big train. geography
2: guy? Oh,
1: well, I'm just hopping on the train. Gonna go visit Carmelo. <laughs>
2: no, I think Melo would still live in New York, and he'd commute to okay. to Boston every day.
1: Okay. He's taking the train to practice. <laughs> yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. Well,
2: I don't know. I mean, it comes down to it. It comes down to what Carmelo Anthony has been criticized for so much lately business versus wanting to win right it's like if wanting to win comes first of course you're waving that no trade clause but does it come first i don't know i think people I have questioned that and very
1: fairly to those extents though like to the extent of like i don't think a t- i don't think a lot of nba players want to win that much like you're all all the fans of all the teams want their favorite players to want to win that much but I mean, it's just not like if if you love your life in New York, your wife loves your life in New York. You're getting paid a ton of money. Like you value being like a Nick. Uh, it's just not like and and for what to go to Boston and lose to the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, yeah, probably what's so much better about that than than being the Knicks yeah. and, and having your season.
2: You get vacation early when you're the Knicks. Well, the thing with the Knicks is like. It's not like he's a free agent after this year, you know. It's like yeah. I think if you're mellow, you look down the road and you say like, yeah, we have Porzingis, but that's about it. It's like it's not like next year's the year for them or even the year after. Like you're still so far off if you're but the I, Knicks.
1: I also think NBA players like really value uh and playing in a system where they're getting as many touches yeah. as they want to get. And Carmelo Anthony like is just not a good enough player anymore to where he can go. To a legitimate contender, and not see a huge downtick in usage from mm-hmm. what he's getting right now with the Knicks. Like, if he goes to Boston or he goes to the Clippers or, or the Cavs, for that matter, like he's seeing a huge downturn in in usage. And to me, like, from just from experience, like, just seeing what NBA back when you were value, in the NBA, <laughs> like they don't they don't like uh, giving up touches like until they're on their absolute sort of last until they're right sort of steve nash lakers type Mm -hmm. of stage of their career
2: the only i totally agree with you but the only reason i think it could maybe work is that in la and cleveland you have lebron and you have cp as kind of the liaison you know like Melo could show up to boston and like he doesn't have this like super friends guy there you know like to kind of ease the transition or like be the buffer between him and the new guys you know like I think that the Boston situation or, like, anywhere else would be an issue. But, like, with L.A., like, if he's out of line, Chris Paul is just like, hey, man, like, this is what you signed up for. You know, like, I don't think he would have that guy in Boston or he wouldn't have that guy in Denver or wherever else you want to send him to.
1: Yeah, I, I, think, he, I think it's, like, legit that those guys would like to play together.
2: But I just don't. I don't think they understand, like, the implications of what that would mean for all of them. Like, I think they well, see like, it
1: as, like, an all-star game. I mean, it's kind of like LeBron, like, saying, like, I'm gonna need you guys to go get like another good player. Yeah, like with what, man? Yeah, like, exactly. How do you want us
2: like, to? And then he goes them. like, "Well, it's not that's not my problem. I don't know. Like you they, do it. <laughs> they're
1: the ones that put the team together. Yeah. Like well, kind of. I'm just like, saying, I needed guys that you told us to get. <laughs>
2: I need like an eight-time All-Star on this team right now. Who? Well, I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I that, that's exactly how I see that situation. I mean, the Cavs. I don't know what the expectation is. Like, how far into the luxury tax do you want to go? I love like. You know I'm the biggest like one of the biggest LeBron guys out there but like the pettiness like the Twitter thing when he his first tweet the other day about like you know I didn't mean to call out David Griffin he's done a great job blah 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 I'm like wow that was really good then he follows it up with something along the lines of I'm just saying we need to improve if we want to win another one if that's the goal like of course that's the goal dude like what are you what are you implying like he basically is saying I don't know if I think they're complacent now that we won one
1: see if if LeBron's goal if if the only thing he cares about is winning another one, then he's not letting them play him thirty six minutes a game. Like in the name of locking up that one seed. Like, right. If LeBron if that's all he cares about, then play twenty nine minutes a game, be cool with getting a top three seed. Right. And just whoop ass in the playoffs like you always
2: do. Well his his argument is like, I'm playing too many minutes, and it's like, well, they could try to limit your minutes and I think he would just say like no I'm going back in. It's like you you got to pick one. Like if you if you say I'm only going to play 35 minutes a game, that means you're going to say all right, we're down 7
1: right now with 3 minutes left. We're just going to have to accept this loss. I guarantee David Griffin would love it if LeBron came to him and said, "I don't want to play more than 30 minutes a game in any more regular season." Games. Well, we're on like year 8 of mid-September. Uh, Coach X says,
2: "Well, this is a year we're going to cut back LeBron's minutes. Yeah. He's getting up there. Well, LeBron's like second in the league in minutes yeah. right
1: now. Like, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not about. They're they're not like, oh, you got to keep playing LeBron, man. We need to win these games. Like, it's it's LeBron that's yes. the reason why LeBron's playing.
2: If LeBron said I'm tired, there's no way they're forcing him yeah. to go out there to play the Kings yeah. and play this you know, 46 like, nope, minutes. I need you back out there, man. Yeah, he's actually now first in the NBA in minutes played per that's game. Insane as of today. That is." How yep. insane is that? It's It would be insane. <laughs> it's insane that he's in the top 10, let alone number yeah. 1. He should like, not be in the top he 10. Be
1: he shouldn't even be with the like, starting distance of the top. Guess 10. where
2: Kevin Durant is on that list? Like 15th. 28th. Yeah. And that's a little bit of, you know, the Warriors have kind of like Curry's like 38th, you yeah. know, because that's just how they operate. But
1: like Kawhi Leonard,
2: 38th as well. How Him much and of this Curry. How
1: is LeBron wanting to kind of at least have like a mvp case out there like is it is that I think so all too. this is i think it is yeah i think like, it's I'm part of it what else what why what else is his motivation for for playing this many minutes <sighs> i don't know that is, is a good just question so, like hands-on that like he just can't i
2: think there is that sit on
1: the bench and like watch i think it's really hard no
2: i think so i think it's really hard for him to give up a game You know it's like yeah. like i said before if there's four minutes left and you're down 10 like, LeBron in his mind thinks, okay, I'll get out there and I'll just get us back in the game. Like, there are some times you just have to sit back. Like, the Spurs do this so well and say, like, yeah, yeah you know, if we put Kawhi in there, there's, like, a 20% chance we'll come back and win, but we'll take, you know, we'll take the loss and, you know, keep his minutes down and
1: in the long run, it'll help us. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think... And also, like, you're... You're f***ing about uh, getting a contender, or getting a, <laughs> getting another... God,
2: I, I have to mark down two times dude, now that dude, you're using we profanity. We
1: don't have to... <laughs> we actually do. Stuff out. No,
2: we, we actually do. No, we don't. Because of the, yes, we actually do. I'm not kidding, because of the iTunes rating. Uh, Luckily, I have a little bleep sound effect, so don't worry. Continue. Okay. continue swear away.
1: <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> um, the like, he was complaining about needing a, a playmaker, in a game where they got blown out by a Pelicans team that didn't have Anthony Davis like does he want a playmaker or like the best defender he in got, the history of the NBA he got like, bullied by Terrence Jones
2: for half of that game like he's also part of the problem here it's like his little uh, his rogueness on defense yeah. hurts
1: them like, a little bit it's just turnovers nobody nobody anywhere even the people in that locker room don't think the Cavs are just going to flip the switch and just whoop everyone in the east Right, it's the playoffs start. Like those are just games that happen. Yeah, in the regular season.
2: Well, but to me, there is a little bit of a concern when, like, in that Kings game, what Kyrie goes for? What did he even finish with? Like, Kyrie had a great game. Kevin Love had a great game. LeBron had a second straight triple double, and they still lose. Like it wasn't a game where Kyrie went like two of nineteen, or like Love just couldn't hit anything. Like the fact that the big three plays well and they still lose games is a little concerning, but. We've gone through this each of the past two seasons with the Cavs right around this time of year, and they always seem to be fine. Um, okay, real quickly, Levine's not doing the dunk contest. Very sad. Um, that is kind sad. of a kind of a cop out by him. But Aaron Gordon's going to be there. Sounds like it'll probably be three like borderline D leaguers around him. Like but three of
1: Aaron Gordon's buddies. Like yeah, just bring know, your friends, Aaron. Like-
2: um, three point contest though, we're not really sure who's going to be in that. Uh, you and I have discussed the. Possibility/slash necessity that Dion Waiters, especially after these last couple of games, needs to be in this thing. um I think we kind of think like, you know, there's this tradition where they use like these ball racks you grab uh-huh. from the rack and shoot. Like, if Dion's in it, he gets his own clock. Maybe there's no clock for him. And he has to take, yeah, he just gets to dribble. Like he, there's no rack. Somebody passes him the ball. He like maybe waves off a screen and he has to cross over at least two times before he shoots. Right. Right, He has to shoot 25 times.
1: He just gets 25 shots. Right. He can like do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, any kind of shimmies he wants to do has to stay behind the line. Yeah. Gets unlimited time. Yep. And he gets to compete with all the other guys, right?
2: I think there should be a separate division for guys like Urson should be in it, and he should have to pump fake, or you know, Harden could be in it, but he'd have to like try to draw foul every couple
1: shots. Yeah, Uh, I would just, I would get such a kick out of how much Deion Waiters would care versus how much the other players would (laughs) care. Like he'd He'd be out there like calling foot faults, like it's falls on the line still. Like, where do you think Deion Waiters thinks Deion Waiters ranks in the NBA right now in terms of best players?
2: It was not long ago that he publicly declared that he wanted to go to the Sixers just so he could be their best player. Um, that was like only a year ago. I mean, fast forward, and he basically <laughs> found that situation. In right, like this is his dream scenario. Yeah, um, yeah I think he th- he views himself the fans as a
1: never questioned whether Deion Waiters wants to win. Did
2: you see that quote this morning from Spolstra that said? Uh, it's, like, it's almost like he has this irrational confidence <laughs> you think <laughs> it's almost like almost, it's irrational almost, confidence almost. yeah um that's like saying like uh, michael jordan it's, like, it's almost like he has that killer instinct yeah yeah i think he has a little bit of confidence um i think there should be a big man three-point contest or a three-point contest where you take the eight worst three-point shooters in the league and make them do it <laughs> Hassan Whiteside. I don't think that would be fun. What I, are this, you talking about? You wouldn't want to watch like Rondo versus
1: Whiteside versus I would like Rondo. I, the the worst guards I'd be cool with. Like so it's like as like a punishment? Yeah, like uh, this is what you get for being so bad at three pointers. Yeah. Now we have we get to watch you try to okay twenty five of them. Uh this is kind of like the argument like uh, a bunch of pitchers wanted to be included in like they wanted to have their own home run derby at the mm-hmm. all star break. Uh, you know it I I think it's only cool if you get a guy who's so good that he actually would have a chance of beating the normal like if you if there was a big man who was so good at shooting threes that he could actually hang with you know the the Clays and Stephs or whatever that that to me is interesting but if you just have like the eight best centers who shoot threes then it kind of I I think two minutes into it you'd be like oh this isn't that yeah interesting. that would have been
2: cool in like 2003 but now like half the centers in the league shoot threes anyway so it wouldn't they be would that it wouldn't like be that crazy balls yeah okay. like all right well that was that <laughs> uh okay well that's one final thing who do you want to see in the the skills competition sucks like i don't think it's cool at all but it would be kind of cool if they forced bad dribblers and bad passers to do it like this is another one that i think i would love to see hassan whiteside do the skills challenge like what player would you want to see go through that little mini gauntlet
1: well i'll i'll throw waiters out there again just because like when was
2: the last time he worked on his passing well that's the thing the passing thing would come up and he would just like wouldn't know what to do he would just freeze
1: and like he would just call And (laughs) like, take whatever penalty (laughs) just be like i'll take the go right (laughs) by by. wave it off I'm (laughs) i'm good um Man, I don't know like who's a bad dribbler? Like, because like I said, I feel like, like LeBron's with a bad the, dribbler. With the, okay, with the he might be the most overrated thing, like, dribbler. I don't care if like big guys can't dribble, but like if there's a guard who we know is a terrible dribbler, then to me, I want him in there. Just uh, I feel just like Patrick sick. Beverly was a bad dribbler, but then he went and won the skills challenge
2: like what two years ago. I think DeMarcus won it last year.
1: Clay would actually be kind of funny because. <laughs> Just of the whole, like I mean, the one where he puts up sixty points with like eleven dribbles or whatever, like making him actually do stuff what normal players have to do, where like he's just not used to doing anything but shoot.
2: (laughs) Sean Livingston, if they asked him to do it, he would just like do it all backwards, as if he's backing someone down. He'd be weaving through cones, but first, has Giannis has done it? Right? Did he do it last year? I don't know if he did skills. He did. He's done the dunk contest. I'm not and sure.
1: It, I mean, Giannis would be kind of cool just because of his strides.
2: Yeah, well, he could save a lot where you basically, you know, after the pass, I think you have to go lay it up. Like he could, he's taking Although like four less see steps him just than everybody.
1: Forever on that top of the key jumper. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Dejounte obviously would be great to get in there. I guess. Yeah. Like <laughs> as like a real competition. But he has to do a floater instead of the layup. Yeah. Like all like if you go look at like Dejounte Murray shots, like they're all floaters. Like it's a,
2: like on those old NBA live games where circle was shoot and square was do a layup, and if yeah. you if you hit square from wherever, they'll like shoot it as if it's a layup. Yeah. yeah. Um cool. okay, well anything else you want to hit on before we wrap this thing up?
1: Did we want to talk about Lonzo Ball's dad or no?
2: Lonzo Ball's dad, Lavar. Um Yeah, I mean he he went on it seemed willingly. Just,
1: just Google Google like TMZ. Levar Ball. LeVar Ball. I mean if
2: you're not familiar with LeVar Ball this is going to be shocking. If you are familiar with LeVar Ball this will not be shocking at all. I was um, not
1: like I sort of knew like I knew about his brothers and stuff. I feel like maybe I knew that his dad was like something but uh, I hadn't like heard him talk before.
2: He's vocal. Yes. He's very vocal. He's like an overbearing parent but I think it's in a good way.
1: <laughs> He's I the, Maybe to me, the best part was like he's he's talking about how he thinks Lonzo Ball is going to be better in the NBA than he is in college. I actually do and buy like, that. It's not like the the craziest argument of all time. Like I'm sure a lot of people heard that and were like, "Is he insane?" Like, no, there's a lot of guys who yeah. are just better in the NBA. Yeah, game. like the the game is just so different. It allows different types of skill sets to really shine. But uh, one of his arguments though was like he'll be trading in. Like Bryce for Dwayne Wade, and he'll trade in uh, Isaac Hamilton for Andrea Iguodala. love that. And he'll trade in TJ Leaf for Anthony Davis. Like, yeah. So he gets to have Anthony Davis.
2: His he- argument is basically think how good he's going to be when he's not playing with these like, just but, idiots also, at like, UCLA. He's going
1: to get like really, he's going to play with the best of the best. Like, right. Does he realize he's going to probably go to the Heat? Like, well, there's. I think he.
2: The other thing is like he's just like openly trashing Bryce Alford and T.J. Leaf and Isaac
1: Avilton. Kind of like. I mean, what are the, do those guys think they're as good as? Dwayne well, Wayne no, but it was just like a mean, really odd, like yeah, it, no hesitation. You can take it that way, but like, I don't really take it that way. I, I think he's just. It was like it really was just smart. like a think
2: of how good he's think of how good my kid's gonna be when he's not playing with these chumps. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> like
2: that's how I took it. I mean,
1: it, it is kind of like that, but but um. Yeah, I don't know. That was funny.
2: Okay, let's wrap it up. Again, we are sponsored by Draft, the snake draft platform, where your chances of winning are three times better than on FanDuel or DraftKings. We'll be back talking more NBA Draft next week. DJ will be back uh, with Shannon and Ken on Friday.